0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We hope to have uh, Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives with us, but I believe she might be caught in traffic, so hopefully uh, Nancy will be here shortly. It is an open topic day. We're opening the phone lines this morning for your personal finance questions. Everyone can always use a little more advice when it comes to money, maybe budgeting, wanting to enter the stock market, or what to do with a 401K. So we want to hear from you today, and let us help you with those personal finance matters. Give us a call at one eight seven seven. MPB ring. The phone number is 1 877 672 7464, or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. So, good morning, Ryder. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Uh, any financial news to share? Uh,
2: so, one of the things that I was looking at recently, the uh, we've been talking about tax reform a lot, and, and a lot of the run up in the market, we kind of suspect is, is due to anticipated effects of tax reform, lower taxes, easier to do taxes, and, um, we finally got kind of a framework out. Um, yesterday, yesterday I came, uh, came across it. So I've got a couple of things from that that we can look at a little bit later on and talk about the difference between, you know, what is tax reform? What is changing our tax code and how does that help? And what is, and what is just lowering taxes and what taxes maybe are high and what should be lowered?
1: So. But uh, yeah, that process uh, just beginning. The uh, the details of the uh, president's uh, mm-hmm. tax plan just emerging, and so obviously it needs to go through the legislative process. So it'll mm-hmm. be uh, uh, um, probably months before we figure out uh, what, if anything, uh, is passed. So Nancy has joined us in studio, so we've got a full crew here ready to take your personal finance questions. And again, open topic day. So if you have a question for us, you can call in at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. So, good morning, Nancy Ryder, and I. Just mentioning, uh, tax reform seems to uh, be evolving uh, uh, somewhat. Uh, some uh, uh, early details of the president's uh, vision for tax reform have been released.
2: Details? I haven't seen details. <laughs> here, well, here a, they a, are. A, a, an outline
1: of. Um, Um,
3: I've seen, I think there were nine pages. uh, And (laughs) when you're talking about taxes, it takes a lot more than that. Do you know when Reagan did tax reform? It was in his second term. It took that long. It was almost 500 pages. Hmm.
2: These are the bullet points.
3: Yeah, well, bullet (laughs) points aren't going to get through Congress. And so um, I think it's a little premature to say what's going to happen. We may get a tax cut. And the, the main thing that may happen would be, A tax in corporate tax, uh, excuse me, a cut in corporate tax, and um, certainly that would push stocks.
1: So, uh, is the Reagan era the last time we've done significant uh, tax reform?
3: I think so. I think so.
2: So, I think everyone's like fiddled around with the edges, but
3: right, right, and it's a really hard thing to do because, first of all. Um, you still have to have revenue to keep the government running. Mm -hmm. And what I keep saying is we're not having the conversation about what do we want government to be and then uh, how much, based on that, this is how much it's cost and this is how we're going to pay for it. And so every time there's this idea of we're going to cut some taxes somewhere, well, in order to keep the revenue the same coming in, well, we're going to take away some deductions. Well, you know, you take away the mortgage interest deduction and every real estate broker in the country is going to line up uh, at the steps of the capital. And um, so it's a very hard thing to do. If you make taxes too easy, well, what happens to my CPA friends? Mm -hmm. Um, If you do away with the estate tax, what happens to the estate attorneys? So there are a lot of people who have vested interest in keeping this all the same. So it's a hard thing to do.
1: So we'll definitely be uh, tracking that as uh, things develop over the coming months. It'll be an interesting uh, uh, conversation to see where tax reform goes. Uh, uh, one of the main things uh, the president wants to do while he is in office, though, I believe. So we'll, like I say, that's uh, something to keep track of in the coming months. It's an open topic day. Give us a call with your personal finance question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 First up, we've got Cindy in Tupelo. Good morning, Cindy. Go ahead.
4: Good morning. Okay, so a couple of things, um, just off this, what I called for. One, I remember getting a refund check when Clinton was in office um, from a tax cut that he pushed through. I just thought I'd mention that. I always remember the refund.
3: Um, don't we all? Then, They're so rare. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. And then the other, I wanted to also say, I, you know, I don't believe in making policy. I don't believe we should make policy based on people's jobs. I think we should right. make policy based on what's best for people in general. And I agree. so hopefully that'll be what happens, but no guarantee I know, but you know, I did I just feel so strongly that we are so often trying to accommodate individuals instead of what's best for the whole group. But my question today is so, um, my husband and I are very physically sound physically sound and my children have been brought up that way. But uh one of my daughters is married and her husband is not, I mean, he's, um, not, he's about, you know, <laughs> the consequences of borrowing, um, don't hit when he's borrowing. He's, uh, then when they do hit, he tries to compensate with it by borrowing more. So, um, it's not, not so much my, my child that's having an issue, but, um, it's still a partner situation and so therefore, I just wanna I wanted to ask, do you have any suggestions for how to make that change in someone's attitude?
3: Oh, wow. well, the first thing is you're gonna have to get out of this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, um, how long have they been married?
4: Not long. less uh, right out of you.
3: Okay, so is your daughter talking to you about what's going on? Is she suddenly becoming aware of some issues?
4: Yes, absolutely. She she, talks to me all the time, very concerned on her part.
3: Okay, and she should be. And um, the problem, of course, is they should have been talking about this before they said their I do's. And <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Yeah. On the Valentine's Day, I remember I, I said that you should start talking about your finances on the first date, but nobody thought that was as romantic well, as I okay. thought Okay, By the
3: time you're engaged, you should be. <laughs> um, uh, I will say to you is she's going to have to be the one to push for some changes. And often what happens is, you know, um, we as financial advisors often are called in to mediate a situation like this, it is very common in a couple to have one who's a saver and one who's a spender and trying to put that together and get them to focus on what are their common goals. And both sides are going to have to give a little bit um, because whatever she grew up with is helping her financially. Whatever he grew up with is hurting the situation. And to make a change means he has to want to make a change. And they're going to have to do this together. So I would encourage them to look for an independent advisor who could sit down with them and both have to agree that this is what they need to do. And um, I have occasionally had parents of grown children who will pay us to serve as that role so that they can get out of it. But often they will do that because they have been bailing them out. And so you don't need to do that. Right. Um, and they need to figure this out on their own. But but if she's talking to you about it and she's concerned, then I would say she needs to approach him about the possibility of looking for somebody to get in between them and look at the, the issues realistically and come up with a compromise.
2: And... Um, I- Oh, okay, you, you go ahead.
4: I, I, was, I just was going to say that um, she does come to us a lot, but um, and he will come to us for advice that he doesn't follow it. And so then that makes more frustration for her because, you know, it's like, why are you even asking them if this isn't what you want to do? But, right. But um, I, I know that, like you said, a lot of this comes from how they were raised. Yes. And yes. Uh, a lot of the time... When they seek our advice, they're seeking also his family's advice, and that advice is totally different from ours, you know, just because of the way they were raised. And so, therefore, um, you know, I don't I, – I agree. It needs to be somebody totally outside of the family that they seek this advice from if they're going to get any, anywhere for them to move forward, not us, you know. And, and
3: understand that if, if your daughter goes into this thinking, you know, this person's going to be all on my side, she may be surprised. She may be surprised that there's some spot in the middle where they need to land, where um, he doesn't feel like, you know, he's so tied down and and I can't enjoy life. Um, And so you're going to have to balance those two. And again, by getting them to focus on common goals, uh, whether it's, you know, purchase of a house. Uh, starting a family, uh, retirement down the road, all of those things. And as long as they can stay on track for that and make those goals the focus, then often that will uh, encourage that person to change their behavior. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of effort. You have to want to change from the what you saw growing up. And, um, and you need to have some accountability along the way too. Right. Well, we
4: try very hard not to be the personal lenders.
2: Yes, don't do that. Uh, don't, yeah, don't do that.
4: <laughs> but, uh, you know, that it's just hard to see them have to do without. When they have so much more than what we start off with, it would seem, you know, it's frustrating to see them get set back instead of moving forward. But I understand right. this is part of the process of, like you said, learning to live together and uh, growing. Forward.
3: Yeah, and, and the other thing that I see, you, you bring this issue up, is that, and, and I'm I'm sounding like that old person going, oh, when we were starting out. Um, but what I see with these young couples starting out is their expectation is to live the way we were living by the time we got to our 40s, you know, and we were kind of, you know, hitting our stride. And so they don't really have that same experience that we had of basically starting with nothing and saving and building from there.
1: All right, uh, Cindy, thanks for your call. I think that one thing I learned in... Um, uh, one of those interpersonal thing, uh, relation things that you take uh, from work or whatever. But anyway, the idea is if you're working together, sometimes you need to be willing to, as you mentioned, Nancy, kind of give a little bit off of your position in the hopes that the person uh, on the other side will give a little bit off of their position, and then you can meet somewhere in the middle and have a happy uh, compromise. But uh, both sides need to be willing to make a little bit of a change to find something that they can both yeah, agree
3: and of. And money or finances is the top thing that couples argue about. Um, And, you know, when you first start out, you start out thinking, well, we, you have no idea that you both have different ideas about how to manage your finances and it can really destroy a relationship.
2: And uh, I would say in addition to the things about, you know, compromising and working together and of course every relationship you need to have, you know, you have your shared goals. You also need to have boundaries. Uh, So for instance, her, her daughter needs to know what she is not going to do. Um, of course, in a relationship, you know, you need to support your partner. You need to help your partner out when you can. Um, but you also need to say, look, I'm not going to, even if it's very simple, concrete things like, I am not going to withdraw from my savings account for you. I am not going to withdraw from my 401k for you. I'm not going to uh, reduce the amount I'm putting into my savings account. Because she still needs to know that she is, is still stable and financially sound at the end of the day. So while you will have shared goals, while you will have compromises, you will also
1: both need to have boundaries. I found out, however, my cat will not compromise. He insists on the expensive treats when I go to the grocery store. So that's another story altogether. Cats have no respect for boundaries. And my dog
3: has no boundaries when it comes to, um, and no compromise when it comes to four o'clock wake-up call.
1: (laughs) Uh, let's get one call in before our first break. We've got Robert on the line. Robert, you're on the air. Go ahead, please.
4: Thank you. And good morning. Good morning. Early morning. A news item uh, reported that Equifax has lost two and a half million more
2: mm-hmm. uh, of
4: their consumer client information. That mm-hmm. brings the total up to, what, to a whopping 146, 147 million. Is it your recommendation that we call TransUnion, uh, Experian, and Equifax personally? All of us should be calling them to make certain that they're taking steps to protect us from some type of uh, credit breach. What is your recommendation now? And I'll uh, turn off. I'll turn back on the radio and turn off my phone. Thank you.
1: All right, Robert. Uh, thanks for the call. Good question.
2: Yeah. So um, obviously, a couple more. <laughs> 2.5 million accounts is, at this point, just a couple more accounts, just a couple more social security numbers, considering we're at 143 million. So this doesn't drastically change anything we've recommended. Um, one thing that, so just to kind of recap what we, what we said before, one, monitor your credit. Um, so one thing you can do is you can request a copy of your credit report from each Credit reporting agency. So that's like you mentioned, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. You can request a copy of your report once a year. So you can also, once every four months, you can put it on a rotation, stick it on your calendar, and send in the request form. Uh, you can also do that online. So that will, that's, that's not proactive, but that will help you monitor things. If somebody does open up an account uh, in your name, you will see that on your report, even if they have an inquiry, even if they have tried to open a credit card and don't do it successfully. Because one thing people can do with your credit information, they can open credit cards, they can buy cars, they can buy houses, they can rack up medical bills. Um, this is kind of the start to stealing your identity. And those are kind of the low-hanging fruit for them to do. And that's what a lot of people, the first thing they're worried about. Second thing is continue to monitor existing financial accounts. I wouldn't be super worried if somebody opened up a Wells Fargo account in my name, given how many fake Wells Fargo accounts there are out there already. I probably have a couple of them. Um, But... What you need to be concerned about is your existing bank. Uh, When I bought my house at the end of last year, I had to call my bank, I had to give them my social security number, my date of birth, and maybe my mother's maiden name or something and I was able to wire out a large sum of money. And after a few minutes, that is awesome gone. Uh so you need to continue to monitor those and if you haven't already set them up online for viewing online and also to get notifications uh if there is a large transaction, if money comes out this that or the other. So uh monitoring your credit to make sure no new credit is opened in your name, uh monitoring your existing accounts to make sure your existing money is safe. Uh the the new thing, the thing that is new is that uh, Equifax has announced that they are working on a new system that will allow people to sign up and for the rest of their life um, get unlimited credit monitoring and uh, make it a lot easier to freeze their credit at the three different bureaus – I still think they have a lot more to do, but this is a much better step than they had before, which was the sh- the year of free monitoring. You can go ahead and sign up for that. I don't, you know, it's not likely, I mean, I'm knock on wood here, it's not likely that's um this information is sold and used in in a large scale way within the next year. Uh, this is information that is good for a long time you could be you could be affected five, ten years down the line. That's the scary thing about this and that's why this lifetime monitoring, whatever they're coming out with, uh, hopefully they'll do a much better job with it than they have done now. Um, and speaking of Equifax the um, the the uh, previous CEO who, um I believe they used the word retired <laughs> kicked uh, out the door <laughs> um I think he was probably leaned on pretty heavily by the s e c um he is he is on he is in Congress testifying right now, and I'm sure that is just going to be a bucket of laughs if you have some time to watch that
3: and we got to hear um attorney general hood uh, Jim hood few weeks ago talk mm-hmm. about this issue. And what was really interesting, he said what they do is they'll you know they won't do anything for a while, but typically about three years out when we're a little, you know, relaxed about it. We forgot about we it. We forgot about years. it. We're not paying attention. Uh our year of free monitoring is over and suddenly they start hitting the accounts.
1: We need to take a break when we get back. It's an open topic day. We're looking for your personal finance questions and the phone lines are open and available. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one 672 7464 You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Back to this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Rogers-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft is Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. It's an open topic day, so uh, give us a call if you have a question for us at one MPB Ring. It's one 877 we got some open phone lines, so give us a call and join the program. Uh, one thing I wanted to follow up on was we talked about Equifax before the break there, and that is the idea of freezing your credit. And so, again, if uh, if, my, Which I did. if my information's been stolen and I freeze my credit and they try to open an account, they can't, they can't do it. They can't. Okay.
3: And so, uh, you know, for somebody writer's age, well, that's going to be, be a problem. It's inconvenient.
1: Right.
2: Also, also, it's difficult because you have to freeze it at all three credit uh, and agencies. That. And um, p- companies you have an existing relationship can still access it. So it's not 100% clear. Say you have an American Express card. It's not 100% clear that American Express will be totally stopped. Uh, they'll still be able to check. They'll be able to do another check. They probably won't be able to open up another account without um, a little extra work on your behalf, but
3: that really fits for somebody who's a little bit older, you know, like us, mm-hmm. Kevin. And you know, oh, I
2: didn't, I did not realize y'all, you no, didn't, realize, didn't that. realize that. Um, you know, if you're not this planning to to,
3: to buy a house, you're settled. You're not going to buy a car on credit. Not going to
2: refinance. You know,
3: not going to refinance. You're not going to um open another credit account. And so this is a surefire way to kind of. Stop that. Now, the problem is once you do it and something pops up, you have to unfreeze it. I did it, it was fairly easy. You get a pin. Uh, You get a number, and you better put it in a safe place. My gosh, I put it in three different safe places. (laughs) And because if you get ready to do something, open a new account, get a new loan, um, you have to then use that PIN to unfreeze at all three of those credit agencies, and you have to do it in advance. You can't just on the spot say, I'm going to buy a car and finance it. It won't happen.
1: Okay. But you're right. So then if you do uh, uh, do know that you're in a uh, car shopping, one of the first things you would do then would be to use unfreeze the and yeah. freeze it, and go from yeah. there. All right. And and again, uh, uh, Equifax is allowing you to do that for free. There's a small charge for the other
3: two. Right. $10. Yeah.
2: Okay. And, and you mentioned we um, went to a talk by Attorney General Hood, and one thing he said – because of course there is a lawsuit uh, in the works um, that they will probably one of the things that, that'll come out of the settlement is probably something like Equifax will be responsible for paying those charges so he was like go ahead and spend the 10 20 bucks now and but will we we'll, remember We'll get you back in three years is
1: what he said so keep uh, keep your receipts okay uh, back to the phone lines we go We've got Mary on the line from Greenwood. Good morning Mary.
4: Good morning. Um, my question is My husband's about uh, eight years from retirement, and we are looking for a financial advisor uh, to advise us in his current 401k that he has with a, a very, his very large employer in Mississippi. Now, um, the question is Do you find an advisor on a fee base or do you find an advisor on a percentage base? Because we're looking at like $400,000 right now. Um, but, of course, we're not going to take it out of the company for a 1K. It's going to there. We just need advice um, before he retires. Okay. I'm going to get off the line. Thank you very much. Do you have a question for me?
3: No, I think I'm good.
1: All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mary.
3: Well, um, first, there are different ways advisors are paid. Um, some advisors could be all commission, which means um, whatever product they put you in, that that company pays them some percentage of what you put in uh, to service those accounts. Um, And then there's something called fee-based, which means we might do some commission things, but we also are going to charge a fee on top of that. And that fee could be based on the amount of assets under management. Um, Then, you all, then you might be fee only. We are fee only, so we don't do any commission items. It's strictly based on a percentage of the accounts that we manage. But we do other type of work, and there are advisors out there who do hourly work, and so that's what. It sounds like she might be looking for right now is just to pay somebody for an hour or two of their time to sit down and help you make decisions as you approach retirement and what choices to do. And then later on, if you want to look for somebody to help you manage that 401k, then you might go to some sort of fee arrangement.
2: Yeah. And, and something you said, he's about eight years from retirement, you know, questions that people often have at that point is, you know, am I on track? Am I putting away enough money uh, for the lifestyle I want to live in retirement? And an advisor will be able to give you a yes or no, or they'll be able to say, you know what, if you save a little more or you plan on working maybe an extra year or so, um, that's a, that's, you know, question you'd be able to get answered. Um, they may also tell you, Oh wow, you're in great shape. Go ahead and retire today. Don't worry about a thing. Um, and so that's something like Nancy said, just paying someone for an hour or two of their time might be useful. Um, the two things I always say are the most important thing. And I put them both at number one when selecting an advisor is one, understand, not just know, but understand how they are paid and who pays them. Um, Nancy mentioned commissions. Commissions are not coming from you. They are coming from another company. Another company is saying, Hey, you get this. Uh,
3: But ultimately they're coming from your pocket. Well, yes, they come from your pocket,
2: but you don't sign the check. Yes. Um, and so you want to, you, you want to. You, you want to understand how they get paid and you want to understand what motivations that person has, who that person is obligated to and how they are motivated to earn money. Um, so that's why people often say, you know, fee only. If you are the one writing the check to them and you are the only person writing the check to them, uh, then you are getting their best advice. Like they... If you give me money and you're the only person giving me money, I don't have any reason to, to like push somebody else's point of view. I am only motivated to give you excellent advice. Um, and then the second most important thing, or the second... First, most important thing is just you just need to be comfortable with that person. Trust them. Um, not only feel comfortable around them, but also, you know, it's very easy to do background checks on on advisors. Uh, always say go to FINRA.org, F-I-N-R-A dot org. Uh, just stick the person's name into this. They have a little broker check box. Um, uh, Google them. Uh, uh, ask around um, things yeah, like that. Yeah, talk to
3: family and friends, and yeah. um, often uh, you know we get a lot of referrals from CPAs, mm-hmm. and so uh, often those CPAs know who's doing a good job. Um, CPAs and, they,
2: and lawyers CPAs can give you and very honest can, recommendations. Can
3: tell you who's out there and what will fit your approach. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, time for another quick break. Martin's on the line. We'll get to your call right after this break. Also, we have an email to get to, and we've got some open phone lines for your personal finance question. You're listening to Money Talks, and the phone number to join our conversation this morning is one mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotcher janderson and Ryder Taff. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 7464 or email the show money at mpbonline.org. We've got some lines open, so if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call. Martin, thanks for holding. You're on the air, so go ahead.
0: Yes, I have a, a question
1: and a comment.
0: Normally you would think, you know, when your uh, information has been compromised that if you have bad credit, that that it's not useful. In my situation, I had outstanding student loan which I've Mm -hmm. been catching the devil trying to get some clarification on how much I owe. Mm -hmm. But uh, I got several phone calls offering me a payout. So, you know, when you halfway broke, you're halfway desperate. So I, in turn, returned the calls uh, each time I received the call. Uh, but uh, they normally showed a scam. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm normally you would think that when your information is compromised that you will, they would be looking for a person with uh, good credit. But I found out that doesn't necessarily so. that's are co- looking for any person they actually can take advantage of.
3: Mm-hmm. That's it, so, Martin. And so, you know, and,
0: and, and, mm-hmm. they
3: right. don't care if they're going to open a credit card that pay that has thirty percent interest because they're never going to pay it.
0: And uh, so, you know, a person like me would know that. Well, who cares whether or not they get my information? But I found out you should care
4: mm-hmm.
0: because it's it, it just as detrimental if you had good credit. It could be just as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for taking my call and comment. All
3: right. Thanks for your comments. Yeah.
2: Good call, Martin. I, I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, you think, oh, you know, here's a wealthy person with good credit and stuff. That's, uh, you know, you, why do you rob the banks? Because that's where the money is. But the, but scammers try to prey on easy targets, you right. know, because you, they can they can hire out a phone bank to make these phone calls for them, and, you know, it doesn't cost them a whole bunch. And if they make, you know, a couple hundred dollars per person they hit, it's a wild success for them. So, you know, you hit the nail on the head.
1: Um, they're looking for easy targets oftentimes. And again, too, when they've gotten millions of in uh, personal information, they can scatter shoot and just, you know, oh, yeah. cast that wide net and see uh, see what they come up with. So, yeah, definitely – uh, everyone, I think, should be concerned uh, about their credit situation with this with this huge breach. Uh, here's an email from Gina who says, I have a substantial 403B and I just retired. The money is with a company well-known for serving teachers and other public employees. They have expensive fees that range from up to 2% for some funds. Should I roll over the 403B to a self-directed IRA with a company well-known for very low expenses and index funds? I'm thinking of a 50-50 equities and fixed income account, index funds only, not individual stocks. Any thoughts?
2: Yeah, we've got some thoughts.
1: Um, should we should we call
2: out the companies first?
3: Um, well, we know which one it is. <laughs> if, yeah. if
2: she's talking about a, a 403B company well-known for working with teachers, she is probably talking about TIA-CREF. And yes, they have some fairly obscene uh, expense ratios. And if she's talking about a, low, a provider known for their low-cost index fund, she is probably talking about Vanguard. Um, so now that we've got those out there, The issue with 403Bs is they have a lot of rules about where they can go to and when they go. Uh, We know in particular some TIA craft funds... I believe you said it was the TIA traditional, right?
3: Because what you're going to have, you would have to look into your account to see what you've invested in. So if you um, have invested in the Cref uh, funds, stock funds, bond funds, those probably can be rolled over. Mm-hmm. If a piece of your portfolio is in what we call the TIAA traditional, it's actually in an annuity, and that contract has some limits on how much you can roll out each year typically 10% a year. So it would take you 10 years or, you know, mm-hmm. nine years and one day to get everything moved out totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have to get on the phone with TIAA, if that's who are, you are using, and find out what those possibilities are. But if you can roll it over, I would say yes. If you can go for um, an institution that has much lower fees on their funds, you'll be better off.
2: Uh yeah those fee differences are going to make a huge difference. Um one thing I would say you know, obviously working with an advisor is going to help you you know, sort this out. You know, they're gonna they're gonna help you understand the process. They can walk you through the whole process. If you don't have an advisor, you don't want to work with an advisor. I do believe Vanguard has a pretty good department for helping people out. They actually do management themselves. Um, you might want to make it clear. You know, I don't want this managed. I just want y'all to help set this up for me. Um, th- and they're, they're they'll be able to at least tell you uh, what needs to be done. Um, it, it's going to make a little more. It's, it'll be a little more involved doing the process all from scratch on your own. But um, calling that company who you want to move it to, because at the end of the day, um, a company would like to get the money over to them. Vanguard would, you know, like to get the money over to Vanguard, so they'll help you out a little bit at least, and they'll be able to, um, you know, and you can call them as much as you want. You might have to sit on hold sometimes, but. That is one thing. All and and I say this to everybody: don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask as many questions as you need to until you are perfectly comfortable and understand very well what's going on. Because this is this is your money. This is your life savings. You need to understand and be comfortable with what's going on.
3: Um, She also mentioned a 50-50 mix, and I think Mm. that is a good mix for somebody in retirement. That's fine. Um, 50% equity, equity being stock, and 50% Mm -hmm. fixed income. That's going to be bonds and cash. So that's a fine mix.
2: And and again, Vanguard will – they'll be able to probably have like a – little quiz for you to kind of help figure out what is really appropriate for you. And then within that equities and within that bonds, they'll be able to pick out which funds or help guide you to which funds might be the most appropriate because you don't, you know, again, you know, 50 50, but if you, if you pick like a terrible bond fund or a not properly
1: diversified equity fund, um, you know, it's still not going to be a great mix. Okay, uh, Jackie sent in an email that says, I've run into this problem this week. I did not freeze my accounts, but when I tried to start the process of ro- uh, refi, Their department ran into that I had frozen my accounts. I called each agency, and there is no freeze. This is a real problem with these agencies at the moment. I think they're overwhelmed by the phone and Internet traffic, so she advises that you'll need a lot of patience.
3: Yes, absolutely. Now, I have found it easier just in about the last week. Right at first, I tried to get in, and there was no way I was going to get through. Every site was crashing. Phone lines were stacked up. And you might have some strange things that pop up, so you're going to have to be persistent.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting problem. There's a couple parties involved. Obviously, the person who's trying to um, who, who's trying to do the credit inquiry uh, is one party involved. Uh, the person who is, uh, and, and then the the credit companies receiving those inquiries is another problem. And that's a very strange problem because there's actually four places they can go to verify your identity for that and they're not all equally overwhelmed so I'm not sure where the breakdown in that chain is um, my only advice to Jackie there is just um, keep trying or potentially um, if, if it's a credit account if it's an account, did she say what that was, was for? Uh, ref- uh, ref- Refinance, Refinance. Um, y- you know if if one company just doesn't seem to have the ability to verify your identity, to do a refinance, go to another one. There's like a million banks here in Um, town. I
3: will say I got some advice from a client of mine who uh, got in pretty early and what he did is he waited until Saturday morning very early when he was awake and moving and nobody else was. And he found it was a great time to get on uh, online and on the phone.
2: So set your alarms uh, and fix that pot of coffee and you will have
1: a just a, a great fun start to your weekend. And so would you recommend either the phone or the Internet, one or one or the other, or just whatever is more convenient? Well, I,
3: I, I would try the Internet first. Um, I found it was a pretty easy process once I got in there, yeah. um, but it did take a while. But um, even with that, when I tried to sign up for Trusted ID, which is that alert system that they're giving you for a year, I got stopped on that, and so I'm going to have to call them, and when I tried to call them the first time, I couldn't get through. So that's still on my list because I've been busy.
1: Um, and so but it's fairly easy. To, it's it's a when you go to the website of the of the um, credit bureaus, you should be able to navigate to a place that says freeze my credit.
3: Right. Well, you can um, actually look up, you know, the, the company name like Equifax and freeze credit and it should give you a link.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I tried to sign up for the free thing, and I think I'm in some sort of limbo because I, if I remember correctly, I got some sort of email that said it was being processed, but I never got any kind of final word that said I was signed up for it. So I'll need to yeah. follow up on that.
2: that. I've seen that as well. People at various points in the process, they'll get an email like a week later saying, okay, we're we're ready for you to finish. So it just give it give it some time. We have a little bit of time before that free offer runs out. And again, the, the, the next thing that they're going to offer is going to be um, unlimited lifetime something, but we don't know what that looks like quite yet.
1: All right, one more break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We've got some open phone lines looking for your personal finance questions this morning. The number is 1877 MPB ring. It's877. We'll be back with more after this.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lodger-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. It's an open topic day. We're looking for your personal finance question this morning, so call us at one MPB Ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show, money, at mpbonline.org. While we wait for a call to come in, Uh, What is an investment club, and are there any in Mississippi?
3: Oh, there are quite a few. And um, an investment club is just a group of people who join together and make a commitment that they're going to uh, put money in on a regular basis. It's usually some sort of monthly amount that goes into an account. And then they're going to collectively decide on the investments that uh, will be them purchased within that account. Um, We've got quite a few around here. Uh, I've spoken to some of them. Um, If you want to join one that's been around for a while, then you're going to have to find out what your buy-in will be, because those people have been putting money in, and so you want to get even with them, and they're going to have to do a calculation to do that for you. But it's a great way to learn.
1: Um, and then I guess the profits are then shared equally?
3: Right, because if you decide you're going to leave the club, then at the point you leave, your value will be then given to you.
1: But then, the, of course, the idea there too is uh, you know, working together, you're able to have a little bit more capital to invest with. But as you said, that would really be a good way to kind of learn about uh, investing and how the stock market well, works. Well,
3: that's mainly mm-hmm. the purpose is to, to learn together. And uh, come up with ideas, uh, companies that you're interested in and that the group will come up maybe with better ideas. It's what we do at the college. At Mississippi College, we have a student-led endowment – excuse me, investment fund. And the students collectively – they don't put their own money in. It's the school's (laughs) money. But they collectively decide on what they will purchase with that money.
1: And I guess uh, internet search if you're looking for one? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So uh, – researching individual stocks is is a full-time job um, and there are a lot of people who dedicate their lives and get advanced degrees to try to figure out how to do this um, so if you know so it does help to pool the the talents and the time of you know say 10 or 20 of your friends um, to get different ideas and you know, to split up the work um, so that that that's what makes an investment club very useful all right. Well, well um, also, if
3: you're going to look for some, you might want to check with Schwab, TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. ETrade. They can tell you if there are some clubs uh, near you and then give you possibly some contact information.
2: Yeah, and, and a couple of resources for people who are – I mean I always just look up the company that you're interested in read and understand their website you know you got first just understand what they do kind of who they are where they're at what they're doing and if it sounds like oh that sounds like a money-making idea I'll go for it then you start want to dig in Um, they'll have copies of their filings links to their copies of their filings at the SEC Um, that gets a little boring for some people but you want to understand a few critical numbers from their balance sheet and from their income statement and their statement of cash flows but also, there's a lot of websites that offer, you know, some analysis of companies out there. And so, just you just Google on around the company and, and ask
1: questions, and then try to find the answers to your questions. All right, very good. Uh, next up, we've got Maggie, who has called in from Flowwood today. Good morning, Maggie. Go ahead, please.
4: Good morning. Yes, uh, I would like to know how you freeze your credit. What happens when you do that, and how do you unfreeze it later?
3: Well, it's pretty easy to do it online. Um, You're going to have to go to each of the three main reporting agencies. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. You can Google the company and credit freeze, and it should take you to the link. And so you fill out information so that you verify you are who you say you are, and you say, I want to freeze the credit. Um, Equifax is not charging you right now. There is a $10 charge at Experian and TransUnion, and I'm told there is a charge if you unfreeze it. When you freeze it, you're going to be given a pin or you will create a pin, and that will be for each of those three companies. And so um, later on, if you decide I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to finance it, you're going to have to be proactive. You're going to have to go back, and with each of those companies, use that pin. You can do it online or you can call them and ask for it to be unfrozen at that point. You need to do all three because typically when you go for a loan, um, they will pull um, reports from each of the three agencies. It doesn't, that doesn't affect anything
4: else other than applying for credit. Is that correct?
3: Correct. Appli- well, uh, it could uh, affect, let's like, say, if you wanted to rent uh, an apartment or you wanted to get new insurance. Um, and in some cases with employers, um, if, they, if it's a particular type of job and they are asking, can I see your credit report, um, then you're going to have to unfreeze at that point. But mostly it's for your opening new accounts.
1: Okay.
4: Thank you very
1: much. Thanks for your call, Maggie. Uh, one other thing, um, if you do – say you freeze your credit, you forget about it momentarily, and you apply for a loan, a car loan, say.
3: You'll get turned down.
1: But then it's not the end of the world. Obviously, then you just have to unfreeze and right. you could proceed. Right. Yeah, and, and they – I believe they will know that your credit is frozen
2: rather than just you have such bad credit, the computer said right. no. And so – If that doesn't remind you that you froze it, um, and 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 so you you know you just I
3: hope it tells me where (laughs) I put that pin. You just
2: you know you just you just say to that person, oh, you know what, I I froze it. We're gonna have to come. I'm gonna have to go unfreeze it, and we'll come back
1: next week. But you know, ask them to make sure you're getting the same deal if you have to wait. But Nancy, you made the point earlier, and I think it's important one to remind folks of: uh, create that pin number, put it somewhere, because again, it might be three years down the road before you come into a credit situation again, and I think you're going to need that PIN number or else there's no other way to unfreeze it. Right, and
3: also if you're talking about a couple, because I had to do it for myself Mm -hmm. and I did it for my husband, and we each have separate PINs. So I was taking pictures, I'm (laughs) sending it to him, I'm printing it out, because, you know, if we decide to do something together, then we're going to need
0: both of them.
1: Okay. Uh, We've got Nick on the line from Fairhope, Alabama. Good morning, Nick. Go ahead, please.
0: Good morning. Uh, I was wondering what you folks uh, thought of uh, robo-advisors for managing a portfolio of about <clears throat> half a million retirement account.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, they're staring at me. I guess this is my responsibility to talk about robo-advisors. Well, I can so, jump in. <laughs> so robo-advisors, in the past few years, uh, some basically online investment management uh, solutions have come up, which uh, they call them robo advisors because they have very little human intervention. Uh, you you stick the money in there, and they do all of the investing for you. I, what I will say about them, we'll start with the good side. They're good at managing investments. Um, I don't really have any complaints, not right now. There are a few people who have some concerns about how they might hold, uh, how how they might uh, withstand a large downturn, given you know they're kind of because they they are they do use limited number of investment products so if there are if there's anything slightly wrong with one of those investment products these are all fairly new they're using fairly new ETFs things like that and if and if there comes a situation in the market that they don't handle well, those robo-advisors are not very well-equipped to deal with that. That being said, I'm not super concerned about something like that. So they are good at investment management. And if that is all you need, a robo-advisor is not that bad. Well, uh,
3: it, it can be a fine choice for some people, um, and um, it can come in in a variety of ways. It can be strictly a computer program who's mm-hmm. doing all of that for you, or there could actually be some personal contact online with an advisor. Um so it really depends on how much service and how much personal attention do you want. Do you want somebody you can talk to who can answer questions about things other than your investment portfolio? Um, they're not going to do that. And the other thing is um the portfolio they arrange for you is only as good as your responses to their questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And um, are those really good responses? um, Do things change? They're not going to change. They're just going to look at how you responded and put you in a particular portfolio and invest based on that. But it can be a a good choice for somebody. It's a low cost alternative to having that personal uh, advisor.
2: All right. Yeah, and, and so that I mean that, that's the, the drawback I see is that if you need something that is personal advice, um, they don't know you as completely as a real
1: human who you meet with. All right, very good. Just a reminder, if you're thinking about freezing your credit, the three credit bureaus you need to contact are Equifax, Experian, and uh, TransUnion. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. So for Nancy lotridge Janderson and Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.